Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I am speaking with Alan Reed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. It's good to see all of you. Let's hear your where it all began story. <laughs> well, this is a rare one, actually. I, Despite all the stories I've told through books and even a movie and even showcasing experts at Secret Knock, I rarely tell my story. So... I actually butt heads with Les Brown a lot when we talk because I don't believe we are our story. (laughs) And he's very much, tell your story. It's who you are, right? And I don't. I I, I don't actually believe I am my story. I don't deny it happened and existed. Obviously, I am here. But I don't believe in all cases that I am my story. And I would say that's from, I suppose, ignorant bliss. And not having too much time to think, actually. (laughs) I'm working on all this other stuff, so. I truly love that. And I have to say, I experienced that when I met you. I didn't feel any baggage. I didn't feel like, well, I said this because of this, and I did this because of this. I felt your your freedom. I grew up in the Philippines on the streets. My mother is, I remember, I would have to ask for food from passersby and family. My family was very smart, but they were not, they were intellectually smart, but they were not well-to-do. So we are the classic rags to something <laughs> story. <laughs> and, and so they managed to put me through, one of my aunts managed to put me through a private school. And I really didn't know anything about social status, economic status, or any of that. I was never allowed to hang out with my classmates in elementary school. And actually, I didn't know I wasn't different or that I was so different from my classmates until I had to say goodbye because I was coming to America. And so I began to go to these people's homes like my best friend, Abigail, I'll never forget it. Her house had three floors and a guard and a gate. And I was just like, oh, you know, and I'd lived outside her neighborhood. I looked at the gates every day and it was more like really just not that great of a street or neighborhood outside of where she lived. And I sort of realized, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not like my friends. And somehow my parents or my mother really just shielded that. So I got to play with them, fight with them, fight for the grades, fight for this, you know, the sport, fail. And it was the same. It was, I never knew. So I think from that, I, I don't have this exercise of separation really that a lot of people go through. That's so powerful. 
That is so powerful. At, at any point, did you feel like, I know you said that at one point you saw the difference and what was that experience like? I was in awe. I mean, she had drivers, she had maids, cooks. I was like, there were people swarming all over the place. And then, you know, I saw a few other kids in the neighborhood that were also like, I recognized them from school. And, you know, at the time, you did, I didn't really have much time to think because I was preparing to come here. You know, my future was different. I had my own set of things that I had to look forward to, my own anxieties. Like I was more caught up in, in that than I was like, hey, what, what is all this? You know, I was just glad to be there and, and I wanted to say goodbye and stay in touch and how are we going to do it and planning it, you know, so. I, I, so at what point did it, because I remember one of the days when I was growing up and I'm going to, I was having a crabby day at home and I went to work and I remember thinking mental no you like people, you like being around people. So when you're out, you have a much better time. So do you remember growing up and being like, mental note, I think this and mental note, I think that what were, what was your like mental notes about yourself? Growing up, uh -huh. you know, it really isn't in our culture to think of self. You know, we're always supposed to think of our family and our are how we rise together. My family is very adamant to get out of the poverty we were in as a group and not just like one person. And so all my aunts and uncles work together to get out as a group. My grandmother was adamant that we don't fraternize with the town people. You know, and she was so, she thought like poverty was contagious. So <laughs> she didn't want any of us hanging out with anybody in the neighborhood. So only my cousins and I were are really allowed to hang out with each other and encourage each, each other and, and uh, keep the future in mind. So other than that, I really wouldn't, I didn't really have too much. And I wasn't encouraged to think of self and evaluate, you know, myself against the world. Wow. At what point did you go? I got married, I, I'm having a child. And then, oh, my God, I can produce a movie, I can, I could be an author in the edit books, author books. I mean, you've done so much with, oh, I never even thought about that. And, and yet I've accomplished a lot. You know, I think when you come from nothing, nothing scares me, like the concept of nothingness, scare that like, it doesn't, it's like a normal, right. And from that place, all I knew was creating out of it. I saw all the different ways my aunts and uncles were creating their lives. And I knew that I was meant to just create it however I want. And so, you know, I, I, I do have had this specific moment, though. I was in Kilimanjaro. Actually, I'd come down Kilimanjaro. And someone was like, oh, that's, was that one of the things in your bucket list? And I had no idea what a bucket list was. <laughs> <laughs> 27 years old. I'm like, what's a bucket list? And I'm like, you know, people wait their whole lives to do this. And I'm like, to hike a mountain? Why? <laughs> and they're like, well, because all the reasons. And uh, I said, no, I, I don't. I've never had a bucket list. And perhaps I probably will never have one. I've always worked without a blueprint. I, I, I you know, I sort of just be interested in something. And then I'm just hyper-focused on that thing until I get it. I don't know. It's highly simplistic, but I think people around me have always said, you're kind of like a dog, like your kid on a bone. 
And then until you're done with that moan, you're not letting go. I'm like, well, yes, indeed. And I swear to God, we're all paying for millions of courses that talk about do the one thing. And you're like, oh, I just did the one thing. And it's such a natural experience for you. And I truly love that because we really, I, I know I complicate it. I'm like, okay, what does the one thing need to look like? How do I structure my one thing? And, and you just have a natural way of, oh, I'll, I got this. It may be a cultural difference also, because I find the Western culture is very much gear people towards like that one thing and defining yourself by that one thing. And when, before I became an entrepreneur, I, I worked for 20th Century Fox. I worked for Neutrogena and I hired, you know, I was in HR and uh, I had to be in charge of international hiring, like everything not domestic hiring and people from other countries would send resumes like a priest would be an accountant and like like people were doing so many things all at the same time which was a very different way of presenting like resumes were all over the place that was not in America in America resumes are extremely like this is what I am and I've had 10 years of this and I've got seniority I'm not sure where this comes from but for some reason we do it here in the Western world and it doesn't have to be that way. And it's just up to you to not have to be that way. I, you do make your own rules and I really love that about you. And I felt it instantly. So what are you working on now? Cause I know one of the things that was very important while we were chatting was mindset versus soul. And mm -hmm. that, that really blew me away because I believe that when we are in our mind, we're still being led by I want and I need, which is something is missing. When we're with our soul, it's this a flow and a creation. So I would love to hear more of from you, mind versus soul. Okay. So soul is the foundation of our existence. We were all souls before we inhabited these physical bodies. You can argue with me all to kingdom come, but you are wasting your time. So I'm going to fast forward you from all the quantum physics and anatomy, but I'm going to condense it down to a short biology. Okay. The soul, if you think of it, everybody has one, whether or not they use it is the question, <laughs> but we all have one and it's in broken up into major parts. There's one part that is, you know, in the woo woo world, they're like, we're all connected. We're all one. And I frankly hate it, but it is a reality I've accepted. And it is one that is, there's a lot of literature about it and it makes people lost and it doesn't center people towards their experience. And I've discovered that there's actually the other half, if, if it's a soul as a circle, the other half is the individuated component with its own anatomy. We all have our own soul anatomy and metaphysiology and its own operating system. So that is where I'm at. So I'm highly focused on reconnecting that with people in, in for themselves. And then once that happens, it's around how does soul look like in reality? How do you work? How do you engage with the world? How do you parent? You know, it's 
it's different. So that is, I would say, the main crux or description of what I am doing. It's spread across different businesses, but in essence, that is the basic blueprint of how I operate today. <laughs> and there is an app coming out, correct? It won't be an app. It'll be a, a diagnostic that'll tell you the makeup of your soul. That's unique to you. It'll, there's 7 billion people. There'll be 7 billion results. And it's a physicist that, and, and she's a nuclear physicist that, that developed this. She's awesome. And we're partnering up with it. And I'm very excited to share it with everybody because it makes everything so much simpler. I can't wait for that. Because when you were telling me about it, I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so... How many times have we answered questions? And I'm like, how does it know? I mean... Facebook seems to know me sometimes better than I know me. I answer those yeah. and it'll pop something out. I'm like, how does it know that? So it, yeah. their algorithms are pretty precise. Mm-hmm. I know I know, I could take up the entire evening asking you a million questions, but I do want to give everyone an opportunity to get to know you and ask questions. So who would like to go first in sharing a quiet bunch tonight. Good. I can, I'm going to pick on Dylan and Heather. Dylan, got a hand. Share, share yes. away. Oh, I've got a hand. I see David Reed, but then Dylan's next. And Heather, David, Heather. Got Heather. You're I on was mute. on mute. Sorry. Hi. Hi. Yeah. I but I I kind of want to go to just. I was looking into. I know about the soul operating system and soul versus mind, but. Soul literacy. What does soul literacy actually mean on a day-to-day basis? Like, what would that it, look like? It's very sim- analogous to financial literacy. You know, okay. how to write a check. Okay. <laughs> Meaning, how to coordinate your mind, how to coordinate with your body, how to coordinate your emotions, how to understand all the data centers, which is what these are: our brain and our heart and our stomachs and hands. They're all data centers, and they actually okay. are. In the soul is indifferent. So there is a collation, an algorithm to it that you have to, that is unique to you, that you begin to understand and learn. Okay. All right. I got to learn more, I guess. So but does meditating help a lot no. more? No, not a fan of meditating. <laughs> your soul's purpose versus your mind. Your soul's, your purpose is encoded in you. It's a matter of listening. So the mind is not, it's simply a physical organ that deliver, that actually stores data. No, not any different than a motherboard, if you will. And the soul has the capacity to look at all that data and interpret that for you. That is beyond what your mind interprets it as, which is what's called conditioning. Okay. So the brain is in around polarity. It will only give you what is patterned to do. And the soul is able to look at data just as data and tell you what's appropriate or how it applies to what you're doing. So remember early when we first started, I was saying that when I was taking the course, I realized I was just trying to blend in, but in my heart and soul, I don't blend in. I stand out. Right. I don't know how to blend in because I almost experienced myself as I could feel my energy entering a room. I, I know what's around as it's happening. So 
how much of that is my soul and how much of that is my soul knowing it's, it's entering because it wants to connect it. It's, it's uh, I, okay. I gotcha. I see what you're trying to ask me. Okay. So the soul, as I mentioned, it has its own operating system. So it also has its own mm, sensory system. Okay. And we can start off with the five major senses that we all learned, you know, to touch, to see, to taste, to smell, to hear from the soul plane. That is what's like called clear cognizance, clear seeing, clear audience, clear hearing, clear of patterning, clear of points of view about what you're seeing, you're experiencing. Okay. For your body, that's clear sentience. If you could feel that far out beyond your physical body, because your soul is actually bigger than your physical body. Your physical body is just contained within your soul. That's why we feel things from quite the distance before we actually, or if we even ever have to touch them, right? So, so what you're asking about and what you're referring to is soul capacity, soul talents, they're not done through the mind. They're done through your soul. So if in my soul, my intention is to connect and to create, it's mm -hmm. going to keep pushing forward until that happens. Yes. And it'll push your, your brain from patterning because it'll, your brain will only allow you to create what it's, what's stored, what patterns. We have some new people coming in. Right. Awesome. Oh, I'm loving this. Kevin. Yes. So I have a question. So January is the big month where people start, well, December, January, where people start looking at goals and so on. And I, I have to admit, I looked at your website a little bit. So I was just trying to understand the aspect because I've always been big with goal settings, like I want to do this and having exact numbers and so on and, and kind of creating a, a dream board, a vision board of things I want to achieve, but you talked a little bit differently on your website. Could you go into a little bit of that? Sure. Okay. First off, do you know the original meaning of the word goal? The original no. meaning? The original Maybe meaning. not. Go ahead. So this is why goals are, most people don't get their goal because encoded in us is the truth of what is. And the original meaning of the word goal is starting point. So do you really just want to start? No, I want to achieve it. You really want to start. You make this big list, but it's a big starting list. It's not the finish list. It's not to accomplish list. It's goals. It's to start. And so <laughs> you know, people, people will argue with me. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's the words. I'm like, really? And so all of us are made to do something and we don't know our purpose and we think that doesn't apply to words and using the words for their original purpose and intent. And we wonder why there isn't, you know, 100% success rate with this stuff. So goals <laughs> and goal setting. Well, you've started at the beginning. You've set, you've set your beginning, Kevin. Okay. So there's a rethinking that we'll introduce you to when it comes to achieving I will not have you be using success. All of you need to throw that thing out the window. Okay. The word success originally means to finish, to attain. Well, the brain knows that's what it means because all our cells are extremely much older than we can ever verbalize. 
And so when you, the word success comes up, the brain translate is it's the end of you, like finito, as in die, dead. So <laughs> success rates have quite the variable because your brain says, no, no, I need you to be alive and I'm going to keep you alive and keep you away from this success, this finish line, this finish of me. Okay. Okay. So tell me, what is it that you're looking to do? I'm myself personally. Yeah. In general. That's who we're talking about. Well, I guess work-wise I'm focused on cybersecurity. So helping critical infrastructure and protect critical infrastructure. That's one of my big goals and I have ways to achieve that. You're not in it now or you are in it already? I am in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So it, I suppose this applies to anything is to think of it as I am being X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. It matters more that you're being versus you're successing that you're finished. Being is a continuation. It's a continuum. There's not an end. You're just being. Okay. You are being happy in cybersecurity. You are progressing. You are being a progressor of your industry. You are being an expert in your industry. Isn't that what all success is? Being right, right. expert at your thing. I, but I guess I'm still confused by the whole goal aspect. So let's say I have a goal of read 48 books this year. Okay. And I'm already five books down already. Way to go. Me too. I'm five books in. Okay. So, so, but, but, you know, I hit that little 48 mark and it's yay. So, so that's not a goal and a success. I'm still. No, so what would you call program- that? No, you program your mind to that. It, you just started. So you get there, you finish your 48 and it's anticlimactic. Why? Cause you've been telling it. It's just a start. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep on reading. Right, I'm going to keep on reading. I'm not going to stop, but okay. You need to pursue the, the point of your 48 books. What's the point? What do you know by then? Who are you? Who are you by then? What are you being by then? I don't just read 40. I mean, I read close to hundred books a year, but I don't read hundred books a year just because it's because I'm after something. Oh yeah. They, they all help go. where I'm going. Yeah. Okay. Good, good stuff. Glenn, I would love to hear from you. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same note, almost on the same note. I have a question. Where do our desires come from? And I mean, like deep, deep down, because I I was looking into into this question, into this question lately, and uh, like, oh, I I want this, this car. But going deeper, I figured that, oh, I want it because my neighbor has it. And then I'm, oh, I want this kind of money and I want that because I saw it on TV. And I'm having a hard time kind of figuring out what, what I actually want. So maybe you have some pointers. How do we tap into like the real self, our own desires? First of all, you're already in the right vein by using the word. When, when people use the word want, it has like in the old, old, you know, I'm emphasizing words because there's a lot of meanings in the words that were changed in 1945 around World War II. They were literally modified from the dictionary. So I went and hunted down the oldest dictionary I could find. And I have one of the oldest ever. It's from 1692 or something. And so the word want means 
lack. There's about 17 definitions around that. So when you say you want something, you like acknowledge you lack this thing, you lack that car or you lack that kind of money. And to create affirmations, oh, I want a million dollars. Well, you're saying over and over, I lack a million dollars. Well, that's just not so fun. It doesn't move you forward, right? Now, where does it come from? The fact that you're tracing desire is amazing. Trace it as far as possible. The fact that you're quantifying, qualifying where it came from, amazing process. You probably have no idea. You're just troubled by yourself right now. But (laughs) these are things that you're supposed to go through. Well, where did that come from? Oh, it's because my neighbor has it. Oh, it's because so-and-so has it. Like these are things, this is the way you qualify out what is yours and what isn't. And so it may be that one of your, from what how I'm looking at you, from talent that you have claircognizance, you can sense perhaps your whole neighborhood wants that car and you can just really hear it. Okay. And so to understand the, the voice that you're hearing, because it, other people's voices always sound like our own inside our heads. But they're not actually, you're hearing, like, I, I, I'm clairaudient. So I, I would hear voices and it all sounded like me. But now I can pinpoint, like, oh, it came from so-and-so. Oh, my son said that, thought that in their mind. But it sounds like my voice. But in the beginning, I just thought it was me. And so you're actually tracking really, really, really great. The fact that you ask a question, what? By the way, for anyone, how you create your life is to ask a question. So like for you, Kevin, I wouldn't do statements. I'd say, how is it that I can become the expert in my industry? I would stay away from all kinds of statements because you're being the answer. And when you're being the answer, there's no room to create. But when you ask a question and leave the answering part of it alone, don't answer it. Your job, your brain goes out and finds all the ways you can be that and delivers it to you. And you're just supposed to react to what comes into you. And so give your brain a job to do, which is to scan for the things you'd like to have in your life. Ask creativity is always about asking questions, question, 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 everything, question, every single thing you think, question, every feeling that you feel. Now you all know why I fell in love with her instantly. So Glenn desire, where does it come from? If do you feel it in your body when you have these desires? You know, I kind of came to realize that I'm content with not having desires, like being empty, not being envious, not being jealous of other people, whatever achievements and possessions. But again, then I don't have any desires. So so, so it appears. That's why I'm asking the question, how do I tap into them? So <clears throat> I'm... So it's I'm okay not like, to want. It's okay. Uh, so you're touching into something that the soul is very good at, is to be spaced, spacious. We're thought to fill up and be dense and be like, tactile and touching and kinetic and all the realness of things. But the soul is about space and we know, no one has really taught us how to handle space. We know how to deal with liquids and, and solids, but not just to be space. And this is where our physicality as a human being will, will grind against the soul's need for just space. And that's the dance in all our, all our lives here is to understand, to complete the dance both and to know when it's appropriate and when it isn't and to understand how to have it work for you and when to pull back. Do you feel done or do you have more? I wish, I wish this education was during school. 
I often joke that we miss a class in kindergarten called How to Human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they taught us head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. And it should have been soul, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I guess I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Mary Francis. Hey, Mary Francis. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. So question here is, you said when you think a th- of something that somebody said, that you hear it in your own voice, is it because, in this is the feeling that I get, is, you know, so-and-so told me the sun is going to come up tomorrow morning at 6.45. And if I'm telling you that, if I say, Sally said, I'm saying it in my voice. Is that kind of the same thing that when we say it, when we hear it, it's as if we're speaking it to someone else? I refer to it as inside our minds versus when you're saying it to someone else. Is that what you're coming from? Right. So I'm thinking it, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the times when you think you, it's as if you are saying it. Mm -hmm. So is, because I'm I'm hearing, you know, a lot of that where you beat up yourself and, you know, those, those kind of things, you know, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, it is me speaking to myself. It's not somebody else saying, but somebody else has said this to me. So it, it's as, as if I'm repeating their words. Yes, actually, a lot of inner, our inner voices are either or both of our parents. Those are the, those are mm. the answers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and whatever was blaring in the background. So here's the thing with the brain. It doesn't know whether it's real or not. Okay. So I actually am not a huge fan of having any radio or TV just running in the background, like in a living room when kids are playing, because their little brains hear it all and it records it all. And without intervention to let the brain know it's not real, their little subconscious, just, it just sits there recording and recording and recording. And around 10 years old, the whole thing just goes on loop. Okay, this recording stops and the rest of your life is just a replay of what you recorded over and over and over and over. So what's in there is a collection of those things you've recorded in the early years. And so the soul's job is to help mitigate that automatic functioning that the brain has because it's an auto loop. And so, yes, you do hear them in your voice. They are probably words or phrases that you hear heard in passing. It doesn't have to necessarily be at you. You just heard them in passing, even mm-hmm. when you were a kid. You just you'll just record that. It's so it's indiscriminate. That, that leads me to another question that I was going to ask you: Is with all of the, you know, the AI and everything being so virtual, and kids spending so much time on video games, and you know they're used a lot of times as a quote unquote babysitter. So as a parent or as you, because you're a different kind of parent, how do you act, react, respond, interact and all of that? So my son, I don't know if you've seen him, but in passing, he does play video games, a lot of it. And I don't go into video game battles with him, get off your screen, all that stuff. I don't. 
the main insecurity that I've realized here is that there's artificial AI and there's actual authentic intelligence. I am I empower him completely in his own actual intelligence and he makes his decisions on how much video games he plays and he doesn't. And at the end of the day, the less resistance I have towards it, he actually doesn't play that much. And I have, we bought, he's got state of the art, everything, everything for video games, but he'll sit there and turn it off and be like, okay, you want to play a game, you know, or he'll go play his, I sur- his room has a drum set <laughs> right now. <laughs> We've got a piano, We've got a ton of activities beyond video games. I think where I've seen households or where children are hyper fixated on video games is that that's all there is. There's no other hobbies. There's no other ways that they can cultivate who they are that is mm-hmm. in video games. So that's, that's all there is. You don't have to target video games as the bad thing because video games has been great. I don't ever have to teach him cryptocurrency or digital coin, good or bad or indifferent. He's a master at it. He would give you all a class on it anytime you guys want. And, there's and, and I've asked him to. I've yeah, there's things you. about conduct that digital conduct that he's like just knows. You know, he knows how to to put up a boundary against an adult online. I, I didn't have that kind of strength when at ten. So there's there's more that if whenever there's a fear around a thing technological, it means there's a deficit in the human, and a cultivation is needed. That's all. And then just one more question. You grew yes. up, you grew up and you said you were you're, you're basically on the streets. You had yes. a home, but you know, so growing up so deprived, how do you, the lessons that you learned that there's no other way to learn them, how are you able to teach those to cult? I don't, it's not, <laughs> I'm not here to, to, to make him know based on lack how good he is. I cannot force gratitude upon him. Right. So I don't. And I, I, I don't, I've seen this kind of parenting and, and one, I never thought I was deprived. So mm-hmm. I can't teach it to him as deprivation. <laughs> he just was, I mean, he would tell me, mom, you're poor. He knows what rich and poor are. He, he understands gaps in life. But I don't, I don't teach him anything about like with that kind of point of view, I tell him we are, we are without, my mom did have to ask for food. He's like, he always says, well, I sure am smart to born to parents who just gives me everything I want. You know what I mean? You guys don't have to ask for food. I'm like, yeah, we have to ask for other things so we can get the food. But yes, you know, I mean, he, he naturally has his own train of thought. So I don't, have it that way so he can evaluate it himself when he sees it i've taken him to the philippines he sees it he sees all of it but i don't i don't write the narrative i don't say the narrative for him i allow him to look at it for himself and he can ask his questions and make his his evaluations the way he sees them it it, i I just want to say that the two of you you co-parent and you do a great job you know he's he's a very well-balanced kid like you said and he's a great teacher. He really is. Indeed. He's a really, really, really great teacher. Yes. And he's got such leadership qualities also. He just, he just has it. You, you see it when you experience, he's an experience. He's a child. Yes. I, I do believe it has a lot to do with whatever you resist persists. And you, because you don't resist anything, he's not 
rebelling against any of it. He just, if anything, I think it's brilliant because you want to, you don't care if he sleeps until whatever time he wants to. And he's like, oh my God, I've got to get up. And so if anything, it makes him want to do what he really feels he wants to do. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yes, I am his Uber personal Uber driver, as he says. <laughs> he hurries me to school. He's got to be there 30 minutes ahead. So he has enough time to, well, I don't even know what he does, but I don't <laughs> know what he does there either. But he doesn't want to be picked up on time. He, he has business to tend to, you know, so I have to pick up after. I, I don't know what it all means. So <laughs> I say, okay, it's your time. I love you that you want. allow him that space. I, I just think it's absolutely magical to, and he's 10. He's not like 17. He's 10. So yeah, if he could ground me, he would, because I, in the winters, I notice he does sleep in and that's the human body's natural response to winter, right? You hibernate more and he gets so mad. Why didn't you wake me up? You know, to have to be at school. I'm like, well, you're growing. That's why. So, but he'd love to ground me for stuff like that. Yes. I think this is absolutely one of the most magical relationships because of the dynamics of the two of you. And, and Greg too, I really think that as Mary Frances said, it's such a beautiful team that you all have. We try. We see how we, we'll see how it goes. He may be a serial killer. Who knows? A very smart one. An undiscoverable one. (laughs) Gluten-free cereal, though, and he'll kill it. With his own TV series. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm dying to hear from Mark. Mark, I'm so going to want to say hi. Because I know 100% you are relating to all this. You get the language. You know what she's saying. I, I literally know you do. So I'm like... We got to meet Mark. I thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I that that point you made about asking with you know asking questions. This for some reason this is the first time it ever clicked to ask yourself those questions too. Because I'm always telling I I coach people and I'm like lead with questions, lead with questions when you ask other people when you're in sales when you're doing these things, and I never I've never I've always made powerful declarations. And it's so much better to do what you're su- suggesting. It's like a paradigm shift. So thank you for that. Any, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Crazy I don't really question. have any questions. I, I I think the only thing that at first when I, I joined the call a few minutes late, I, I'm sorry I was late, but I I believe, and you can correct me if 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 I'm incorrect about this, but I and I don't know how it works, but I believe that we I believe in that woo-woo part, right? That we that there is a that we're all connected to some kind of collective intelligence, memory, etc. That we get to borrow a meat suit for a period of time, and we get to go through this experience, so we can experience what chocolate tastes like and what human connection feels like, and all this kind of stuff. The other side of what you were talking about as a soul is like completely new to me. So I'm I'm just kind of wrapped with what you're saying. But when you said I don't I don't like that definition of it i'm kind of curious why which which definition the the first part the woo the woo woo part as you say which i don't think is woo woo i just think it's like how it is like scientifically when we get it we're going to figure out that that actually is the case is kind of how i the one about consciousness that we're collecting about about that we're all connected that we're all connected through some kind of maybe grand intelligence memory ancestral memory like whatever it is you know 
I don't like it and live with it at the same time. It is the reality. I accept it. <laughs> so why why don't you like it? I think it's pretty it's pretty badass because then I am you and you are me and we're all mirrors and it's magic, right? But I'm special. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You said then we're not special? I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> it's the it keeps me skeptical. That's the skeptic in me. This work as as the way the thoroughness of it is because skepticism is an asset for me. I have a very in, intelligent brain. And so it grinds against my extremely creative side of the soul. Mm. And they do a really nice dance together all day. It's quite entertaining. And so that's just my brain talking, basically. So, so I guess, so what about the, the concept that we have hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of neurons in our in our other parts uh-huh. of our body, our stomach, our gut, for example, our liver, et cetera. And you, you, mm-hmm. you probably know that, that story of the nine-year-old girl who had received a heart transplant in England. And she started having, immediately started having nightmares, which were actually memories. And they were so, memories. so vivid that a police, you know, what do you call sketch artist? sat down with her and she described the person and this person was chasing this, this her and murdered her. And then they found the man on the other side of England and he admitted to committing the murder of the woman whose heart she had, she now had. Right. And so there was this idea. And then they reopened hundreds and hundreds of cases all over the world where they went, Oh, we thought that was maybe just coincidence. That's what we keep writing it off as. But now we realize that like our body holds our organs hold memories Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I've taken that and maybe I've collapsed it. But then I look at Rupert Sheldrake and his whole concept of like species having memories and you can teach rats how to go through in- entire mazes. And once they learn how to do it in Australia, the ones that are born in England can do it instantly without even having yes. to be trained. So there's like this. That to me is what I mean by this idea of like a collective species memory, a collective intelligence, which I think is a soul maybe yes we have and doing enough dmt i really feel like that (laughs) it's it's extremely real and valid but that doesn't mean i don't get to be a skeptic of it and i actually understand how it all works but i'm still skeptical because because (laughs) it allows me to keep asking questions but when you're talking about the hundredth hundredth monkey phenomenon you know there's even uh to your point with with a transferring of consciousness by way of organs, they have found people who have blood transfusions over time, actually they scan as a different person yep. than before, which is- Look at Louisa, really she's like, wait, what? Fascinating <laughs> and scary at the same time. But yes, they, uh-huh. So, you know, if you ever need a blood transfusion, just ask them to do a background check. <laughs> <laughs> the source. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are scanning as a different person after. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. So one of the things you were talking about of, you know, the, the memories and, and the things that we play over and over by the time we heard it at 10, it's one of the reasons I don't watch TV because mm-hmm. I listen to only things that I want to program my brain with, because when mm-hmm. I watch TV the entire next day, I'll be on edge and I don't know why. And it'll be some like crazy show that I watched. And I stopped watching TV for, I can't tell you how many years because I could not physically handle it. It's, 
Absolutely, like any kind of external environmental stimulation absolutely influences. It's brain's always recording. That's its job, you know. So I probably am the only, you know, last person living in a cave. I've never gotten a Netflix account. (laughs) I don't watch, I don't own a TV. Like I don't, I know we have cable, like we have, but I don't have a TV to turn, you know, to use cable. So I love. I that. read. That's that's my thing. I, I read and I listen. But you also have been doing art. Tell me about your art. I've got a lot of art. I've always done art because I really didn't have anything else I could do as a kid <laughs> except draw and paint and and really just use my body, dance, sing, all that kind of stuff. So yes, anything that is low tech, low tech, low pro, I did, or I I guess I still do. One of the things that I was doing is. I sit there for 30 minutes a day and listen to mindset work with my daughter and we just play it in the background. And she was not the nicest to the dog because her energy was a little off. And so I decided to allow us to both doodle and paint while we listen. And she's quite an artist. And I literally had the most amazing parent teacher conference. And, and it literally, this is the first time because we've been doing this work that she got raving reviews from school. So I used to see parents like you and I'm like, how do you become that parent? And I literally just added the tiny little shift in my experience with my daughter that has, and the teachers literally were like, Louisa, she's quite a leader in the classroom. And this is all the things that she's doing. And I had no... And she's quite an artist. So I love watching her draw and paint. And I'm like, I am celebrating the daylights out of what's possible. Because based on how I grew up, I'm like, okay, when I'm a teenager, I need to be, when I was a teenager, I needed my parents. So I thought I'll work a lot when they were younger, not have to be there for them because I thought I was going, they were going to need me now. And I missed a a huge opportunity when they were your son's age and younger. And I thought I didn't know how to rewind that time that it was already too late, but I'm grateful that there it's never too late. And I'm so grateful that I'm doing the, the work now because it still is paying off. Cause I, I looked at parents like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I missed the moment. And I'm so grateful I didn't. And I don't think even at any age, we miss it. Like we show up here and connect and we're all getting what she and I get. And that's kind of why I started hosting these because as we're all connecting, we all then the next day show up better, show up different, show up conscious. And I I literally just out of that one moment of meeting you, I left empowered. And I, I think that when we get to be here, we feel that I, I, it's almost, I, I think of the word soul, like it connects to my soul. It speaks to my soul when we're all connecting like this. So I'm always so grateful that I decided not to blend in and pretend I didn't matter and pretend that everyone else was the cool, smart one. And I love that when we all choose ourselves, that we can all show up here together and contribute to each other. Like as you're sharing and I'm like, are you listening to that? Everyone's getting so much out of tonight. And like, I'm literally physically 
lighting up because I'm thinking everyone then takes it from here and does something with it for themselves. Is everyone else feeling that? Because I'm literally like, are y'all getting how awesome this is? Either love it or hate it. I can't imagine okay. who hates it. That's okay. That's how I know I'm being extra, extra weird today. So what is your year looking like? What do you, what do you have planned for this year? Oh, building communities again. So the secret knock women group, I've been in my grand Hermitage, have let other people run that. So I'll be building that again and resetting what the point is of a women's group. That's not just about equality because I don't believe in it. And we're different. We're not equal. And highlighting that and having it about empowering women that doesn't have anything to do with taking away from the rest of the alphabet. So there's that. I have a my humanity group, but I'm expanding humanity actually to be more beyond coaching because I'm not, I can't coach as much as I I have been for because I want to focus on building community. So I'm pulling back on that. But in in lieu of having a lot of coaching would be more information on the humanity site that people can use on their own, more tools that you can use on their own. So it's, it's building, a lot of building. Love. How can we all participate in what you're doing? How can we find you and contribute? Well, I am prob- pretty easy to find. So we can plug my name in on just Elaine Reed on, on Google. My I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all of that. And then my personal site is called womanity.com. And so I'm really, really very easy to reach. So you'd probably hear from me in two days, max. So reach out if you have a question. Is anyone holding on to any questions or shares before we all go? Because I, you know, I used to be that person who literally wanted to share and I didn't. I literally didn't. I, I, I just, yay, Brian. And I, you, I love when people share because it makes me feel like, yes, take up space in the world, share. Mm-hmm. Brian, take up lots of space. Take up lots of space. Yes. Just don't get fat. Yeah. Unless you want to be fat. Healthy. <laughs> Healthy and fit. Brian, you're on. Thank, thank you, Louisa. Hi, Alan. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yep, I'm here. Yeah. Well, first, I'm just learning about you. So I, I knew nothing prior to this past week of seeing Luisa's ad advertisements. Yeah, I, I really resonated with that tonight. I will say that I was sometimes a, a victim of too many video games as a kid. And I had a hard time get, getting off of Candy Crush as an adult, but, but uh, you know, what really did it for me, though, was that I, I have really been getting into networking over the last few years. This extended to before the, the COVID pandemic. And, and what makes it difficult for me sometimes is that I, I'm on the autism spectrum. And actually, oh. at the agency that I work for, we we have a we have a client who is very into video games. He does 
he doesn't always play them up there, but I, and I don't want to get too specific because I can't because of confidentiality reasons. But but basically, yeah, I, I do. I agree that sometimes there's just not enough outlets given for people, and and I especially see that for people, some people on the autism spectrum. So that that's something that I wanted to share right at the moment and uh, great presentation tonight and great to be here with you all. Thank you, Brian. I love working with autistic kids. Actually, I'll, I haven't met one that isn't telepathic, so we don't talk much, <laughs> but they definitely talk a lot. And uh, Perhaps I don't know if you realize it, but you are able to patch into a lot of different realities all at once. And so hence you need to be in video games to to like just get a little helmet on, if you will, from all of it. So I understand where you're at. Thank you, Brian. I love when you share. Daniela. Sorry, I was muted. Hi, Alan. First of all, Hi. thank you. Your whole story is just very inspiring. I loved everything that you said. And one of the things that I love that you said at the beginning was that when you want to do something, you like don't stop until you get in. And I think that's amazing. And I also really like that you said that nothing scares you because you come from nothing. So I would I, I would like to ask you like, what would you, what's a piece of advice for us that, you know, we want to do something. And like you said, you don't, move on to the next one until you finish the task that you already wanted, you know? So what would be your advice for everyone else that is like trying to accomplish something? And sometimes we, you know, want to accomplish something else. So we stop doing it and then we move on to the next one. But what would be your piece of advice to like finish that something that we already started? Well, we're not very good, all of us, when we're trying to get somewhere is to listen to what our a subconscious part of our brain is cannot compute compute and what it usually needs to compute and what you need to do for the subconscious brain in order for you to get to what you want faster is to think through what is this worst case scenario so when you want something you have to go to the immediate opposite of it and be comfortable with it it doesn't mean that oh you're being negative or you know that that's what's going to happen because you're thinking of it you're allowing your subconscious to go oh okay here are my parameters and i know how to stay away from that part of it the worst case scenario this is not what she wants and i know all the steps that gets us there and so you are enlisting the buy in of your subconscious by allowing it to explore what it means for the worst case scenario of the thing that you want. Okay. And so that is something people don't like to do because it induces a lot of emotion and heaviness. And all you have to do is sit there. Like the floor is not going to open up and swallow you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's likely not going to happen. It never does. So you have to, but you have to go through that exercise. Because then it will feel, because the brain doesn't know what's real and what doesn't, because it'll feel like it's already been there, and then we'll be fine to go from there. Because then it'll only know that the only way is up. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. I love that you asked the question, by the way. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. My, my lovely soul sister, Fatima. Hello. Oh, my gosh. 
I love everything I'm hearing. And the one thing that I feel comes across is your, when you going back to what Daniela said, your follow through on things, how you stick to it and you just move forward. Do you have advice for people like for myself? I start a task and when I become so overwhelmed with it, I literally stick my head in the sand and I want nothing to do with it. And so I try to like figure out and as I, I know it's about breaking the pieces and, and figuring out, but it just becomes too much. And it actually makes me tired and sleepy. That's when I say, like, I stick my head in the sand because I just want to go to bed. Like it could be three Mm o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock. And I'm like, I had enough. I want to go to bed. How can I follow through in breaking things down without feeling that overwhelmed? And I know it's like pieces, but then I figure it's like, well, maybe it's ADHD. Da, da, da. People always say that. And I feel like sometimes there might be truth to it, but any advice? All right. So in truth, I am not like if you take, you know, those profiles that they have online or not even online, but like those personality tests, I'm not a finisher. I'm a launcher. I oh, start a bunch okay. of stuff. Yep. Yeah. I, and I'm, that's how I've like gotten, you know, I'm doing so much stuff. People are, how are you doing it? Because I'm naturally a launcher. I'm not naturally an idea person. I, my weakness, if you will say that, you know, the weakness is that <clears throat> once it gets routine and I'm maintaining a company, oh my God, it's so boring to me. I can't take it. And so I have learned that once I know I'm approaching that part of this phase of any project or a company that I need to start hiring. And for the specific person, that's not like a like me, but more they love routine. They love to maintain. They love all that. And so for you, and actually just went through a similar, th- I, I also have the same mechanism. I'll get overwhelmed and then I want to go to take a nap, wake up, think about it again, and then I'm need a nap again, even though I got nothing done, right? So what I've learned is that when there's a backlog and it's just too much, So I have to backtrack all my steps and there's something in there I missed, either a question or my brain found some sort of contradiction, but I didn't listen. I didn't get it to come out and articulate it. So it's asking a question and I can't hear it because I'm too busy moving forward. Or it's saying, hey, look out for this. And I missed it. I missed like a certain warning. And so I have, I literally will backtrack. So why you can't move forward is because you're too caught up in moving forward. That's why. Okay. So actually backtrack, listen, listen to the flow. The flow is asking you to backtrack and go, here's all the stuff we went through. Either you process it or you find what it is. It's asking for your attention. Something needs your attention. Always does. Whether you need to organize it, you need to delete something, you need to fix this, you need to close the loop on something, call someone, whatever it is. There's something asking for your attention, maybe several somethings. And you just need to give it time and attention and the rest clicks into place. That's how uh, I've found each time has worked out. Thank you. I love that. And something you said right now when you said you're a launcher, could it be that maybe we need... I. Like in my, for like for me, maybe I need to look at it more of like, I start things to hand over to someone else and then move yes. on. So it's not something that I need to basically keep going back to and, and losing my shit, <laughs> just yes. move on yeah. and launch it and move on, launch it and move on. Yes. Because I do get yeah. bored with things very quickly. You nailed that part. I'm like, okay, I'm bored. 
you know? So thank you so much for that. That really definitely gave, gave me clarity. I appreciate yes. it. Plant yourself rewards. Be realistic with yourself. You're a launcher. You know, at some point you're going to get bored. Give yourself a reward right there. Anticipate it ahead of time. There's no reason why you shouldn't. You know, you're a launcher. I mean, it's not going to change tomorrow. Or even if the moon was blue tomorrow, it's it's not going to change. So <laughs> that's how you're wired. That's how your brain is wired. Then plant the, plant the reward now. What is it? What's really going to yeah. be rewarding for you to get to that point, you know, where you're in maintenance mode or when you're in handoff mode? Yeah. You know what came up right now when you said that was like one thing that I was notoriously, notoriously known by or for before was, you know, people always say you start, but you never finish. And I mm-hmm. used to t- be upset, but now I'm like, I reinvent myself and I took it as a positive. I just keep reinventing myself and keep moving forward. So you just validated that. So thank you. Yes. yes. You're welcome. So good, Fatima. David Reed. Well, Mike, it's, I don't know if it's so much a question. I guess it is a question and a comment. The thing you were mentioning about being comfortable or at least exploring worst case scenarios. I do that a lot. And it's also because, and I, and I've noticed where it comes from because I'm a lawyer and all Ah. we do, all we do is think about worst case scenarios. That's what we do day to day. It's what we think about. And it just bleeds into everything you do, you know? And I do have to catch myself because what if I'm doing a meditation or if I'm thinking about something or worried about something, I will literally go through this rabbit hole of the worst case scenario left and right, you know? And I have to catch myself and just witness, (laughs) witness that and get myself out of it. And at the same time, it's also part of my job. So it's this is weird dichotomy. Yeah. So you must be a really good lawyer then if you can be that creative with the worst case scenario. Well, there's, there's, you know what? I can, get, <laughs> I, can, I can go really deep down the rabbit hole and figure oh. out like, and then the stuff that's like, you know, it'll never happen, but like, what if it does? You know, so it's yeah. like, hey, what if it does with this client? What if it does in my own life? And I don't like to think about either one. At the end of the day, it doesn't. But when you're, you know, when you're thinking about, things that you want to improve on. And you're, you, I've, I've been taught to just witness those feelings. They're not you, they're just thoughts and let them go. And then that's, you know, part of the suit yourself soothing thing in, okay. in the, in the context of what we're talking about. I got, and I'm, I'm working on it. It's just, it's just, it's hard when you do it every day in regular life as your job. So it's not really a comment. I mean, a question, but a comment. And if you have any thoughts, share them. I mean, it's really amazing. I would say in your case, because your, your, your mechanism is so such a pro at it Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you insert this little tiny thing, which is to, okay, do I want to move on yet? Okay. Have this moment. What do I want to move on yet? And so just asking that question will, will have your brain, even if you're, you know, it'll give, take you a few minutes, but it will begin to exit itself out of there. Just mm-hmm. ask the question. All right. We're in this you. mode. Do we want to keep being here or do we got to be no, somewhere else next? I want to go elsewhere. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yes. So, thank you. Sure. Svetlana. Hi, beauty queen. Yay. So Alan, you tapped into something that and that resonates with me. And we are talking about launcher. And also there was topic touched of like being overwhelmed and falling asleep. Any time of the day, once you hit this, like, I got to do that. So I would not say that I'm a launcher. I am in a way project-oriented. 
So when I have something on my mind, I see the beautiful, I do want to finish it. And I like fanatically, like obsessively bring it to completion, to perfection. I can like break, rebuild, break, rebuild, and then it is done. And this is where I hit my plateau. I have zero tolerance for maintaining it. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's like it's like literally, it's like okay, I remodeled my kitchen. I love it. It's so beautiful. I don't want to change a thing in it. Okay, I took care of like my little office room, which I call headquarters. It's perfect. And <laughs> what's next? I don't have room. I don't want to change anything. But what do I do? Do I move and I have no energy to keep it in order because I lose any interest in that. It just, it becomes hard job. It's no longer joy to me. And it it gets to the point where all these like small things that I have to keep doing to support this, to sustain the state of perfection they keep building up and they become chaotic and then I look at this mountain and like okay I have to do it I have to do it no I need to sleep and that's it and I fall down and I am not capable of doing anything and I'm trying to solve this like forever and I it is a pattern it's like, it's definitely a pattern. This is my life. This is the story of my life. So I, I had this. Anna, you need a bigger house. Yeah, but then I run. This- You're not satisfied renovating, then build a house. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 so basically I need to create a space. I cannot maintain yeah. a space, create a space. And, and then I just like, okay, leave. So I, I okay. but then it's in, in conflict with the, you know, like those limiting beliefs. Uh, I grew up in Soviet. Russia and money is like inherently has stigma for me and that's really hard to overcome so that creates limitations on they can acquire like going okay let's go further let's build somewhere else I do not have somewhere else but you know the whole sentence how you do something is how you do everything so is that like for me I just visualize can you, are you physically able to stand and sit at the same time? You have to make a choice, right? So you get to like literally visualize, am I going to choose to stand or am I going to choose to sit? So then you got to pick one. And wherever you're at, pick what works for you. Because I always like say, just manage your mind because come from joy, Come choose to come from joy. Like right now you're choosing <clears throat> to come from going down the rabbit hole, choose to come from joy and let go of the, the chit chat in your brain. It's like, so in it's- your case, Svetlana, what you're doing is soothing yourself. And a lot of that kind of perfection is around is a self-soothing mechanism, just FYI. And so it will wear you out and you're tired and you're still not soothed. So perhaps the stage you need to be at is what are you soothing yourself from? Because every time that approaches, you start moving around and cleaning. I know people well, like you. They're all, yeah, all I start, Asian women. I start fixing small things instead of going for what I need to do for big things. So, okay, once I fix this, I will move on. <laughs> yes. So you're, you're not transmuting the whatever it is that's asking to 
be healed or resolved or, or looked at or acknowledged. And because if that is what you're supposed to be doing, you're not going to be tired from cleaning. There are religious people who are like, they're meant to organize in life and it gives them a ton of energy. They can stay up for three days straight organizing and fixing and is the joy of their life. But you're telling me you get tired and you're, you're done with it. So you're, you, this is your, your defense mechanism, a soothing mechanism. And it's an invitation for you to be still and listen for what that is. You can come to my house. Thank I you. For that. <laughs> no, no, no. My my house is a mess. Once I finish, I'm done with the project. It starts turning into disaster. But I have no interest in maintaining it. <laughs> That's the problem. It will keep doing it until you sit still. Yep. And I want to make sure we're respectful for your time. How are you doing on time? Can we take maybe one mark and then call it a night? Because I know it's been that'd be great. Quite an evening. Thank you, Svetlana. Mark. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, I, I I just wanted to share that this week I discovered a book that is like really resonating with this conversation because I I tend to be a launcher. And the book is Dan Sullivan's Who Not How. And it's amazing because the whole idea is there's eight billion people out there, and there's a ton of people out there who have exactly the skill set to renovate, to do this, to do that thing, to do the next step. And they're all waiting to be put to work. And they're all probably a much better use of your money, resources, and time. And I noticed that my resistance to it in the past has always been either if I want to get it done right, like the story that if I want to get it done right, then I got to do it myself, right? Or so releasing how it's going to get done and not worry about how it's going to get done and trust. And then the other part is this, this, this financial scarcity conversation about well, I could just do it and I can save a few dollars here, uh, but I could also be using that time to be making 10X and let somebody else do this thing. And then my life shifts into doing only the things that I'm really passionate about or are the best use of my time. And now I'm leveraging the who, right? And so this has like been a super, I'm reading it for the second time in, in the week because I kind of need to let it really sink in, but it it's sort of applies for everybody, I'm realizing. Mm-hmm. This is something I have a real a lot of trouble letting go of. It's like out, allocating to others some of these daily things that I don't need to be doing. So, congratulations. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Still working on it. Yeah. There is a natural flow to every creation. And I find the launchers who have trouble, um, there's always some sort of thing that pops up, you'll find a reason to not pull it off, right? In a way. And the word trust comes up and a reliance on the creation process. You want to drive it versus allowing it to lead you. And so every business and every purpose, every book, every project will talk to you if you would listen. We all, Everything talks to us. We just forgot how to listen. So it's Allowing to for yourself to listen for the cues of when it is actually time to versus when you're making yourself pass it on or whatever, because it's not your thing to do. So the cultivation of that is, I would say, where would be necessary on your part for you. So can I ask one other question? You you said yes. you're not big on meditation, but mm-hmm. so how do you how do you train yourself to listen? to be more aware of these types of signals that are out there? 
I don't recommend meditation for beginners at all. It freaks out the nervous system. The brain doesn't like it. It's like, you're so used to being busy. Now you want to be still. Are we going to die? Like, no, (laughs) I want to work on our thing, you know? So I have a client actually who is decided that she's not happy with her weight. She looks fine, but she's decided that she feels bad about it and that she's going to go to the gym. And I'm like, why? How do you know that's the thing you need to do? Like, we're in our 40s. You can't just go walk into a gym after doing nothing and think you're going to do an hour of weights and think you're not going to hurt yourself. That is foolish. First of all, doing weights in our 40s for women will actually just make you gain weight. It would stress out the body, have an adrenaline drip, cortisol, laxity, all that stuff. So the exercise of now I have her for the next five days, actually, it just occurred this morning. She has to log in what time she wakes up. She has to log in what she puts into her mouth and when and what time she goes to sleep, how many times she gets up at night. So you record literally every day for the next five days before she does anything. She doesn't know what she's fixing. <laughs> she's already got a solution. So the, 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 uh, and I, and I know what it is. I actually know the solution. Cause I just, you know, I just know her, but she doesn't see it. She thinks it's cause she's not moving enough. She moves plenty. She runs a restaurant. Like she's always on her feet. Like if that's not the actual problem. So for, for what you're talking about, log yourself. Log what you're doing, everything you're thinking. When somebody's talking to you, notice what you're thinking while they're talking to you. Log everything about you without judgment, especially that second part, without judgment, (laughs) so that it's just data. And you will find you actually habitually think, do, react, say certain things quite often and for certain reasons. And then you'll notice that people around you and the birds every day all come out at the same time. There are, you know, first you do it with yourself and then it comes naturally to what outside of you, what's happening outside of you. I definitely feel like when we share, there's so much gold and you are just brilliant. I mean, I instantly had a soul connection to needing to hear more from you. So I love that I reached out to you and you are so very, very kind and and just so generous with your wisdom. And I'm so grateful. And I know that everybody's walking away tonight with amazing nuggets. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all of you for sharing who you are with me. Really, every day that you do for me, my life's work is fulfilled. So thank you. 